This episode is proudly brought to you by Gimme Stitches, a local creative business that transforms what you love into an adorable stitch piece of art. Gimme Stitches makes bespoke images of the people you love into detailed handcrafted portraits you can pop on your wall. You can choose anything. Pets and families. Kids. Enemies? <laughs> Perfect. These beautifully handmade pieces are by the phenomenally talented Tilly and Greg, who are dedicated to bringing the old art of hand stitching back into your home. Good Sheila's listeners get 15% off bespoke hand stitched family portraits, pet portraits, enemy portraits, or our beloved Courtney Stodden <laughs> by entering Good Sheila's at checkout. What would you get a portrait of, Claire? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Gibby Stitches on Instagram and get amongst it. Fun fact about Annie Louie. When Annie was in year seven, she thought that calamari rings were found at the bottom of the ocean. And she often felt deep sadness for the poor ring-shaped creatures who lost their lives too soon. <laughs> Annie! <laughs> when he found out that they were actually made of whales. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for good sheilers. All right, hello. Again, we're recording in lockdown in the remote 2020 bonfire where everything is broken and nothing good can happen. Except, for, of course, for this podcast. Welcome, Sheilas. Today we're talking free Britney and what happens when things go to shit when you think you'll never get better. But enough about our podcast, because we've got a special guest. Today on the podcast, we are very excited to have very funly, wildly clever radio presenter and comedian and celebrant Annie Louie. Her show, Annie Louie's Big Break, can be streamed on her website at AnnieLouie.com. That's L-O-U-E-Y. Holy heck, Annie, is there anything you can't do? Hey, oh, there's plenty of things uh, like having a high paying job. Can't do it. (laughs) I've tried, can't hold it down. (laughs) What jobs have you tried to hold it down, Annie? Um, I was a public servant for three years and I'm also at the moment I'm working as a funeral assistant, but I kind of suck at it. I get told off a lot. What do you do as a funeral assistant? What does that Um, entail? Yeah, it it involves assisting with the funerals, so driving around a lot and helping where needed. So sometimes, like yesterday, I did a bit of tech assisting, so making sure the slideshow runs well and we get everything into place, getting the coffin in the right place. Yeah, all of that. Um, Kind of fell into it with the celebrancy stuff because I was looking for work experience um, because I would be able to do weddings and funerals, so I was keen to see how other people do it, and it's... uh, yeah, been a really eye-opening experience for the last seven months. Yeah, I reckon Amazing. people, like, I mean, because weddings, it's, uh, there'd be people who'd be like, well, you really, like, you stuffed it up and it was my big day, but I'm probably going to get married again uh, <laughs> Yeah, <the> statistically. <laughs> but funerals, it's like, shit, you really don't want to stuff that one up, especially with yeah. all of these, like, very sad people around. It'd feel it's like a lot you of were 2020. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, and it, it does feel like even more nerve-wracking than doing a gig, I think, at times. So it's a different kind of nervous energy. Mm. And God, also... you're really having a great time in lockdown, aren't you, Annie? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but well, I know changed... how to appreciate life. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't die. There is um, – is there um, – are we still only allowed a certain amount of people at a funeral in Victoria? Yeah, it keeps changing. So at the moment it's back down to 10 and okay. yeah, same with 
outdoors because at one point there was you were allowed to have up to 50 outdoors and 20 indoors uh, but it's much easier now they've just said no nah, we're going back to the minimum which is 10 and I think if it was to get any worse they would have only video streamed and maybe like two family members which would be mm. quite bizarre yeah that's not many and but it also takes the pressure off like if I was going to die I'd be so worried that I couldn't get 10 people to come so, yeah. yeah that's so true it's good for me <laughs> you know, um, anyone anyone Hello. Yeah. <laughs> or if you paid for the video streaming and there was like a like a sad Facebook Live amount of people on there, that would be no good either. Like two oh people God. are watching. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Hell. How have you been going in lockdown, Annie? Like how has this pandemic treated you? I think it's been pretty good. Like I've embraced the online. I had I've had a handful of online gigs and they were rough at the start, but then I feel like I grew into them. And having my show on the last lockdown gave me something to do, gave a lot of momentum. I had something to work mm. towards. So now is going to be more challenging. My housemates have fled to other uh, – one's gone to another state to be with his girlfriend and another one flew back to France is, isn't coming back. So I've got the whole, mm. nearly the whole house to myself. Um, but definitely doing the radio show in the morning, weekdays, uh, it's it's voluntary, but it's gotten me out of the house and given me some social interaction, and I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah, totally. Oh, well, then you've handled it beautifully because the rest of us have just, like, turned into sludge in the corners <laughs> of our house. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. I've done that too. I was thinking, remember at the start when I was doing ab crunches, like, every day? <laughs> that Whoa. did not last long. <laughs> Now you're just doing chip crunches. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Good one. Eating a meat pie right before this, so things have changed. Oh, yum. Did you get it from the servo? No, I actually got it from a bakery uh, oh, somewhere flash. when I was, yeah, I was having to work anyway, so I stopped off somewhere and threw a pie in my fridge. It's been there for like probably five days, but <laughs> it's, if I don't have to leave the house, I won't. Yeah, and also what could go wrong? 2020 has only pulled up the best of us, so exactly. eating a five-day-old pie, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> but Annie Louie, let's go back in time to a time before viruses were a thing and we needed bras. Tell us about Brittany, mate. Was she informative for you? Yes, she definitely was super formative. I remember when we had computer classes, there was a teacher named Cheryl. We'd go every week down to the computer labs and learn how to mostly just play games. And we were having fun for like an hour a week. And I remember finishing the test for Computers 101 and there was a certificate that was printed and you could either choose from Brittany saying, congratulations, Annie, you did it. Or <laughs> Justin Timberlake saying, you did it, son. And obviously all the, all the girls would pick Brittany and... <laughs> It was such a proud moment for me. I was obsessed with her. One of the first dances I ever did with my friends in kindergarten was to Oops, I Did It Again. Oh, and, yeah. Um, the nostalgia around it. Yeah. But also <laughs> mental that that was the song that teachers or parents were like, yeah, that seems fine for our <laughs> yeah. five-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Very much like Mean Girls, uh, little girl dancing in front of the TV, sexily energy. <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre. Did you pick it up? Anyway, like, did you look at her and you're like, that is what a woman is supposed to be? Yeah, I mean, there weren't many people who looked like me. So I guess when I grew up, I wanted to be a hot white lady, I guess. Oh, man. <laughs> and for context, you, you've got, your parents are from China, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm fully Chinese. So you don't look like Britney Spears. No. <laughs> None of us do, really. Yeah, if it's but we all desperately Annie, wanted to. Yeah, I'm still waiting to be a hot white lady. Still, <laughs> any day now. Exactly. <sighs> but it, it it's just so funny that that your teacher was like, "Yes, I know what would be the ultimate prize." Like Cheryl had her finger on the pulse, and she was like, <laughs> yeah. "I know what the girls and the boys want." Congratulations, exactly. Annie. Yes. <laughs> It's also classic Britney. That's totally what she'd be doing with her time. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't, like, the teacher was, like, a middle-aged, witchy kind of woman. I don't think she liked any of the celebrities either, so I think it was okay. quite reluctant. She's like, here, take a certificate. 
imagine they're like dedicating your entire life to like education and going to school and going to uni and then going out and being really passionate about kids and the kids is like, I don't care about your feelings. I just want Brittany to tell me I did a good job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. yeah. Kick in the dick, Cheryl. I tell you. Shut up, Cheryl. <laughs> so Brittany is everywhere at the moment, not only because she's the one of the most famous singers of our time. We might not all love her music, although I definitely do, but we can all safely say we're familiar with her. She's a big deal, but she's unfortunately also one of the most ridiculed people on the internet. Yeah, in 1999, she hit the charts when she was 18 years old with Hit Me Baby One More Time, which seemed like a really catchy song about a sexy schoolgirl. But now as grown-ups, when we spend more, more than one second thinking about it, it's a completely broken song for anyone to sing, especially a teenage girl. <laughs> but that wasn't where she started showbiz. Her super religious parents thrust her into talent shows at three years old. And she went from competition to competition until the Mickey Mouse Club said she was old enough to join. Grown-up Brittany reflected on her childhood and explained simply that she found out what she was supposed to do at an early age. And by that point, Brittany had been totally styled and manipulated to be a marketable combination of sexy and schoolgirl. A team worked behind her, creating her image and controlling her look, which at that time was super tan skin, low rider jeans and a belly button piercing. And you see that in pictures, even when she's a child, she's styled coquettishly and sex. I didn't say that word. Like, how do you say that word? Coquettish, coquettish, coquettishly and sexily. <laughs> I mean, croquette. Good. It's coquettishly. She was styled like a croquette. <laughs> she was crunchy on the outside. Like, <laughs> like most women in pop, her body was the product. Think baby one more time, schoolgirl uniform and the hot red jumpsuit of oops, I did it again. And it worked. Britney, the product, made mega bucks. She branched out into perfumes and sponsored products. She made the film Crossroads. What a movie. I never watched it. Did Did you you, watch it, Annie? No, I haven't. I just remember when it was in the cinemas and all the ads and the songs that would come out of it. It had quite a soundtrack. But we all knew. We all knew it was going to be bad. How (laughs) dare you? I loved it. So good. You guys are the worst. Hey, but also, fun fact about Britney, she actually sings in a really very deep, low range, but her producers and her managers preferred a sexy, wispy schoolgirl voice and made her sing higher. So that's how deep the manipulation went. They made her change her voice. And if you look at her Instagram... Her voice is so, so, so creepy and unnatural. It sounds like a tiny, tiny child trying to be cute. Um, it makes yes. it makes my skin crawl. Have you seen that, Annie? Yeah, I've seen lots of her videos. I couldn't believe she sounded like that in real life because back previously you'd have to go to interviews on TV to hear a person speak normally. But this is her going about her normal life and it's, yeah. it is very strange. It's like a different kind of auto-tune. Wait. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It, it, Like, it can't be natural. So that 18 years um, of age singing a hugely successful song would not have been surprising to her. She was basically raised training for that moment to to be like a sexy little girl, but in a woman form. So 15 years after she started performing, she was introduced into our lives and we welcomed her with open arms. But then we didn't. We grew up and we put her under a microscope and waited for her to fuck up. And boy, did she. Annie, do you remember buying kids' magazines when you were a teenager? Like, um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, what, did you, what were you into? Girlfriend magazine and uh, mm. probably more girlfriend than Dolly, but I would also buy that too if, if I had the pocket money. Um, but the very first ones I bought were K-Zone, Kid Zone. Oh, was yeah. gender neutral. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was there so would have been cool. Britney content in there for sure, just minus all the naughty stuff. And I have to it's... ask Annie, what made you a girlfriend girl rather than a dolly girl? What was the difference? I don't know. I think it was a bit more wholesome. Like Dolly was a bit trashier, I feel. Don't oh, know. I was a dolly girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Section. I think Remember it was more section? about the, the freebies, to be honest. I was easily swayed. If there was a good nail polish in one, I'd be like, get that. <laughs> yeah. I was. I had no money, so usually any magazine I had was like 
free toothbrush and I'd be like fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) you just had to get your essentials from a magazine like a face washer need (laughs) oh look this one comes with a house (laughs) yeah I'll take it this one comes with affection from a parent I'll take it (laughs) this one comes with secure attachment it's mine (laughs) I want it (laughs) so you guys in the 10 years since launching into pop megastardom she dated Justin Timberlake, married Kevin Federline. Federline? Who cares? What a loser. What an absolute loser. She was 22 years old when she married him as well. And at the same time, she was reportedly experiencing anxiety and exhaustion due to her relentless schedule, which makes sense. What were you doing at 22, Annie? Like, what was was your jam at 22? Oh, it came, came up on my Facebook just this week I was that was my gap year from finishing uni so I was traveling around Europe and I think the picture was me on a camel in the Sahara Desert so that's what I was doing in Europe (laughs) yeah well like we ran out of money and then we were like uh where should we go where's the cheapest place that's closest to Europe and we went to Morocco and I remember the flight as we were landing two women in hijabs behind us were screaming their heads off because they really were convinced we were going to die because there was mad turbulence (laughs) it was quite humbling I'm like oh yeah like some people have never flown before and it is we're very lucky to be able to fly and uh yeah we and i'm gonna ride a camel to celebrate <laughs> yeah it was, it's pretty culturally Where's inappropriate those, yeah, those um, <laughs> tourist um, activities i probably wouldn't do it again yeah ride okay. a camel yeah, but tw- or be or on b22 how dare you um yeah <laughs> maybe both yeah with, yeah with, yeah the wisdom Fair. that i have now is invaluable the camels yeah, are 20... very good educators. But 22 was a shit. 22 was like, no one, I had no idea what was going on at all. Actually, yeah. my sister got married at 22, which was, I, I sometimes I tell people that as a fun fact when conversation runs dry, because I know the reaction is always going to be, are you joking? Like, it's always something. Like, <laughs> no one gets married at 22. No one. Except for Brittany and my sister. <laughs> That's very well-rounded. Brittany just smashed out a couple of kids. Not only did she get married, but she um, got married and had children, two boys of Kevin, and then she got divorced when she was 25. And this is where things started to unravel. And if you're looking at parallels between my life and Britney Spears' life, well, here you go, but add 50, 100 years. So here she started partying with and hanging out with Paris Hilton, just like me. And things started cracking <laughs> shortly after she lost custody of those two young boys. She had one of the most public uh, fa- uh, meltdowns, so, so famous, when she shaved her head and assaulted the paparazzi with an umbrella, decided to wear a miniskirt with no undies. And these pictures just showed us that she was totally drowning. But how did we react to this? Oh, my God. The public loved it. We lapped it up. She made global news. And nobody cared about what she was doing or how she was doing because you could see a picture of her with no undies on. But why, Bron? But why? <laughs> because, because we saw – all we saw was this sexy schoolgirl who became a millionaire was, like, fucking it up. And this is the girl we wanted to be. And because she failed – we loved it, and because the world loves when women fail. What did you feel, Annie, when, when Brittany hit the skids? Did you oh. worry about your computer capabilities? Yeah, one on one. I'm computing. just trying to load this picture of her bald head. Why is it taking so long? I need it. Um, I don't remember. I think it was a bit of a, a joke at the time, but I don't think we understood at all what we know now about mental health. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely in high school, we, what, that wasn't talked about. I think it was just she did a crazy thing. Um, and we, I think I was convinced that would be the end of her career, but she came back and did a lot more after that. So I think, yeah, we had no idea what was coming and that she would st- – I think it was good for her career in the end, if anything. That's an interesting perspective. Like, I guess it kept kind of the cameras and the media on her in a way and allowed her to do, you know, like tours and do the Vegas thing. And But, but you know, at 39, so she's almost Bronze Age, what does her life <laughs> look like now? So in 2008, 12 years ago, after her breakdown, she was put under a conservatorship where her parents, her dad, and management took control of all of her finances and all of her life decisions. She can't do anything. She can't 
do anything. It's awful. These people have... Yeah, she can't... These people, she's not allowed to drive a car. She's not allowed to vote. She's not allowed to get married. She's not allowed to have children. She can't spend her own money or speak publicly about this uh, conservatorship, which is it, It's horrific. bonkers. It's bonkers. They have total control over her and they charge her $1.1 million a year to do it. So basically wow. she can't make any decisions about herself and now people are watching because like you said Annie we get mental health we get it but we also get when people are exercising inappropriate and advantageous control over other people so now Mm. free Britney has emerged and Annie did you say she's not allowed to vote yeah, she's, she's not allowed, allowed to she's vote. Not, she's not allowed oh, to get married. So, so. She's, not allowed to, she's allowed to have a boyfriend, but um, I'm pretty sure he would be chosen for her. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Vetted. Yeah, well, he... I've seen I've seen the videos of him, and I oh, think, he's oh, ridiculous. He's luscious. <laughs> yeah. Outrageous. But Annie, should we free Britney? And what does that mean? Oh uh, yeah, that is a very good question. I think it needs to be seen in the context of how this came up in the news and why people are caring so much about it at the moment. And we did touch on that nostalgia that Britney brings up in all of us who were growing up in the 90s. And I think this is quite conveniently something we can all get behind and forget about the other issues as well that are happening, you know, the pandemic or racism. It's something that unites us that can, we can all go like, this is the right thing to do, we need to free her. And I think it's almost verging on um, people who are reading too much into the signs on her Instagram, uh, like a conspiracy theory about Britney trying to give us signs that she's trapped. Um, no. Have you seen oh, those I posts? Seen no, I haven't. I am so I here must. for it though. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that like, you know, when she, that she's posting cryptic images since she can, I think, curate some of her social media. So they're all, there's plenty of posts out there on how exactly she's trying to send us a message. But whether or not that is true, I mean, I think it's gone too far that even if Britney said, hey, hey, I'm okay, like seriously, I enjoy this life, people would not believe it. They'll probably say, oh, she was put up to that. She's she's saying it because she's the mouthpiece of someone else. So I think it's hard for her to, to win. Like obviously it would be great for her to control her assets again, um, but would that even convince the fans that everything's okay? And we don't we don't actually know how unwell she is or whether she's unwell at all. All we think, because because the money that she's got is just so unfathomable for us, we just assume that it is about the money. We can't kind of get past that it would be about anything else. And yeah, I. So I think like when when we think when she's the person who has to release the fragrances and do the fifty billion Vegas shows and um, sing all, and change her voice and do it, put herself at the forefront of things and then at the end of it not be able to vote for her president, we're thinking oh my gosh this is this like you know, this poor girl but I I think that the people the thing that people are most angry about is that she can't she doesn't have access over her own money so she's creating money for people and she's not the one who has a say in this and i do i wonder i wonder how this came about like i wonder how this got okayed yeah it's a, it's a terrible thing it's a legal process just like it is here you make an application and you have a you have a variety of kind of professionals who have to attest to the person's particular inability to make decisions about themselves i mean these conservatorships happen in, in victoria they happen all the time for people who are really unwell or really sick um the problem is that they're also abused and the processes that respond to their their abuse aren't nearly as kind of loud or rigorous or well-funded as the processes that allow for them like in victoria the most conservatorships are they're called something different here but they're they're placed over old and infirm people by their children and who and you get paid you get paid for it because it's you know it's it's a, a system that is necessary for some people but i think it's just right for exploitation and if you can if you can perform in vegas you know and do like learn those dances and this that choreography and and you know present so professionally you have to have some level of kind of capacity right yeah yeah that is very true. And I think it comes back to the fact we don't have the full picture and it would yeah. be interesting to know, you know, is this the best thing for her mental health because that is exactly what's going on behind the scenes and the public will probably never know because they've got that 
all those legal documents locked away and I would never want to release it to the, the general public. Um, well, yeah. And if, if there is, if they are trying to get her, because I assume they would have some kind of control over her Instagram, if they're trying to get her to show everyone that she's okay, they're doing a really bad job of it. But if they're trying to get everyone to see that she's mentally unwell still, they're doing an amazing job. <laughs> For anyone who has not looked at Britney's Instagram, she looks bananas. It just, like, so, like, her posts don't make sense. They, they seem quite manic. Sometimes they're like one after the other, after the other, after the other. Another one's like, you know, there's one that she did. Um, she did yoga on the beach with a face mask and a bikini and she put it in fast forward. And it uh. it looked like a scene out of The Exorcist, and it just it was. <laughs> I that was something would... I haven't thought about at all. That what if they are deliberately trying to make her look unwell so that they yeah. can continue that? Um, yeah, because. Point, but do do how do they get her to consent to that? Like to make the videos because the like the video of her saying that she burnt down her gym, or like yeah, just yeah. as a throwaway line and looking very smiley. Um, does she have to rehearse for those things? You know, if they were pulling the strings, it, it boggles my mind. Yeah. Well, maybe she's just super unwell. Yeah. <laughs> because I would believe that. And how would you stay sane when you're three years old and go, entering competitions and your yeah. mum's moved you and your sister to a different state and just like shoved you in the front, you know, into like different talent places forever. And then when you're 18 years old, have to sing Hit Me Baby One More Time it wearing the smallest stuff in the world and have like gross old men just say the most revolting things to you and changing your voice like this is there was no way she was going to end up unscathed yeah right she, they made her not okay mm. poor old pretty but i i'm like i am yeah i, I feel sorry for her fine blah blah but i do like i will fall into a britney spears instagram hole like so easily and I will be it was amazing if I come out of it within like an hour it's just it's mesmerizing I also think you know if things are tough like she's still being well she's still living quite well like she has a nice Mm. home um I would hope that you know she gets treated nicely by the people around her like her boyfriend um yeah, I guess it's their, their problems seem more magnified because they are, are famous. But they get to they they do have the riches. She had a home gym, you know, at least so or well, still yeah. does. So that's something that I probably will never have. Um, <laughs> right there with yeah. you, Annie. <laughs> Give me Britney's <laughs> problems is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you make such a powerful point. Like it is it, it's it's a distraction and we love a distraction especially when the world's gone to shoot but it's also a lovely unifier like it's something we can all get behind and also I want a free house and a magazine and maybe Brittany can buy it for me because she's been selfish with all that money you're totally right Annie totally right mm. <laughs> I'd like a new toothbrush but Did today <laughs> shifting off Brittany a little bit we are talking about um hitting some tricky times in our lives and whether we can escape them so some people have to hit rock bottom and some people just to have have to have a, a life experience that they think they're never going to shift away from and to start us off Claire what bit of your life do you remember that you thought you would never recover from oh, oh god okay oh. when I was in year eight the cool kids made a rumor that I used to have, and this is just awful to say even now, that I used to have sex with myself with vegetables. <laughs> oh, mate. Okay, so for clarity, did they assign you a specific vegetable or was it an array? It was a family-sized bag of wash mix leaves. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like a garret or a zucchini, whatever. And it was, it was, aw- it was awful. Like it ruined my life. I totally spiraled. Like I chucked loads of sickies. And I wagged heaps of school. I got an eating disorder. So cool, white girl. God, I thought nothing would ever, ever be okay again. That's the horrific power of teenage girls. But it was okay again. I grew up, and they forgot. And then I found out who I was later. And then I managed to eat carrots again, like 20 years down the track without cringing. Bron, how about yeah. you? What was your worst possible thing? Uh, I, reckon, I reckon mine was um, when Olive, my six-year-old, was a baby and she was an absolute monster. She just never, ever slept and she didn't eat and she just cried and cried and cried and cried and I never, ever got to sleep. 
and she never smiled and she would scratch my face like a <laughs> like a you know a tiny gremlin and um and I'd, I just remember just walking the streets of Brunswick thinking this is never ever I'm never going to escape this I've made a huge mistake this baby is too hard this is too hard and I could never imagine ever being able to sleep again because it is every single day and every mm. single night. And no one's like, I'll take your baby for the weekend because who the hell would take that? And so I just had to live it and breathe it for 24 hours a day. And I thought that she, I was broken. Like I thought that I was never going to get out of that horrific, horrific patch of my life. But I did. She's six now. She's in a different room probably with a device and she's fine. <laughs> But Annie, have you had something that happens in, has happened in your life that you that had changed you, or that you thought was probably the worst thing that was ever going to happen to you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've talked about it in my comedy briefly, um, but when I was sixteen, I just turned sixteen, and I was going camping uh, with my school, and I was peeling a pumpkin, and I cut my finger with a a knife. Uh, there was no peeler around just using a pocket knife and I cut my finger there's a lot of blood and I ended up having a panic attack and fainting into a fire that I had made (gasps) myself I was quite good at making fires back in the day Um, it was a raging hot fire and they picked me out of it straight away but um, I got sent to hospital and with severe burns to my face and neck so that was uh, yeah long recovery time and yeah, a lot of, you know, you got those, um, being self-conscious, like those issues when you're a teenager anyway, but that was quite magnified and going out, people would, um, stare and they'd ask me questions about what had happened. And it felt like, um, yeah, it felt like that was never going to end because there were constant hospital visits to go back to and having, um, uh, yeah, at one point my chin was growing out of control because I don't tell you that um, when you recover like your skin doesn't know how to to stop growing so um, yeah it kind of loses its uh, like blueprint so uh, I had to have a lot of um, like steroid injections to my face to try and teach it how to grow you know flat again and um, also silicon sheets that's fascinating yeah it is fascinating the teenager god yeah, so pressure garments as well. They were like a, a mask that I would have to wear every night going to sleep. And the rehab for it was a lot of neck stretches, face stretches, because everything gets uh, really tight. So if you don't do it, you lose mobility. Uh, so if I didn't do those every night, and sometimes it would be excruciating to change your dressings and then have to do your exercises. But I knew that I would regret it in the future if I couldn't turn my neck to the right I'd be like I shouldn't have slacked off on that because that's a pretty vital motion that you need yeah yeah. yeah, to live is this um, like isn't that what Zoolander he can only turn left oh yeah Yeah, yeah, (laughs) actually maybe my life would have been better I could have been a model managing that kind of pain like when you were a teenager what was that like for you yeah I mean there's the physical and also the emotional um I think in terms of yeah physical pain um I didn't know that uh I think it was the first degree burns were even more painful than the third because that's um in the third degree like they they wipe out all your nerves so you kind Mm. of don't feel any anything but the the parts that were just um first like changing those dressings like I would cry because it was just so crazy they would give me like really strong painkillers and I was semi um allergic to them so they I'd like I'd throw up and (laughs) yeah but um then there was the like waking up every day and wishing you were someone else like I don't know if you needed to have a disclaimer about yeah you know the depression side of things but um yeah I just thought I really like don't want to go to school and I put it off for a long time like it was part of it was school holidays so that was fine but eventually like I had the principal ringing me saying like you need to come back and I really didn't want to it was probably like two months I just kept putting it off um thinking I don't want to I don't want to show my face so how long did it take for you to feel like there was a full recovery that people weren't looking at you anymore oh 
Um, hard to say. Maybe even like even throughout university, I was still getting questions. Like uh, even even now, I think if I went out to the shops and didn't wear makeup, I probably would get some looks still. But it's not as bad. Like some people have acne scarring that is probably on par with how my face looks now without makeup so that would give me a lot of anxiety to not wear makeup just to go out like just going down to the shops would like make me feel quite ill with the thought of like oh what if someone questions me like there's a a calendar that ticks over to like days since you last got asked and I'm like oh here we go again um so yeah there's a bit of you know there was fear over that but I've tried to combat that by deliberately challenging myself I'd set myself little tasks like yeah go to the shops without makeup or hang out with my friends or have a sleepover and um be makeup free around my um, close friends and family because they would understand that and then other things like you know having a partner and then the first time you know you have to talk about that stuff is very nerve-wracking as well so yeah there have been little um, milestones along the way where I have been able to step up and um, yeah, try to deliberately push back against those anxious thoughts, but also finding out that I could volunteer with a, a Burns organisation really helped because it mm. just to see what other people's journeys have been like and similar stories. And one woman I saw had like almost identical burns to me on like this, I think the same side of her face. It was like face and neck, but she's got kids and I think grandkids as well but she loved dancing and she was so creative and had her own business and I'm like she's just rocking it like she doesn't even let it slow her down at all so it was really cool to be able to see someone who I could look to like I want to be that when I'm like 50 years old yeah but and even like even when you were saying we were talking about you have this happening to you when you were 16 years old or not or not even 16 yet you had to go through you know, being 16, 17, 18, like 19, 20, like these years where you just, you desperately care about your face and yeah. want it to look like Britney, like you, you're like, oh my God. And then you have, you know, like Photoshop was bananas even then. And then, but I, I think like, I'd, I would never, I don't think a bloke, even a younger bloke would care nearly as much as what a girl would. Mm. So yeah. You know, and I do think, like, as as you know, a grow, a, if that happened to a man, he would own it. And I, do, I think mm. that women, we are so scared of owning something um, because we don't even know how to do that yet. So mm. a scar on your face, which is, you know, when we are so, you know, we are, you know, built up by the way that we look, to be like, no, that's fine. I actually, I actually am thrilled with this. It's fine. Mm. That feels strange for us, and the world would be like, whoa, that is really, that is so brave. But at the end of the day, you are so you were like you admired this lady who owned it. So we yes. do we like when 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 someone owns something that is a little bit unconventional, we are like, wow. Especially a woman, we're like, wow, good for you. But we don't like it's you know it's different for blokes. It's like, oh yeah, that's expected. Of course, you're owning that. It doesn't really yeah, matter yeah. so much. And probably because they they aren't expected to wear makeup, so they have no choice but to own it as well. Like mm. I've seen some um, people who are online uh, with birthmarks or, yeah, different scars and, like, they're told that, like, scars are cool. I mean, something badass happened to you, yeah. you know, so it's a different <laughs> connotation with it. Did any, so any, were any oh, of those sayings um, – I'm talking, Claire, don't do that again. Um, <laughs> any of those – like any of those like cliche things like when people, you know, those lines that came out like, you know, this is it's like scars are badass or um, uh, beauty is on the inside or all of these things that I'm sure were thrown your way all the time when you were feeling super vulnerable about it. Did any of them actually sink in or were they all patronising? Uh, actually, there's a good one that I thought of. The... First, people who probably saw me were at my drama classes outside of high school and the teacher, uh, he was very sympathetic and he, after the class, he told me that um, that some people would pay for this because I 
have basically got new skin and it's like baby skin that will grow back. And um, he was right after all, because like the skin that grew back is completely wrinkle free. I'm like, holy oh, wow. shit. Like it's actually, yeah, like pretty good deal. Like uh, I've got even <laughs> better skin than I had. And it was already good being Asian to not age. But like, yeah, as long as, long as you stay out of the sun, um yeah, you could basically keep that skin looking nice and fresh for years to come. So I didn't sink in at the time um, what he meant, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, I can understand. That was completely, like, from a good place. Like, it wasn't nasty at all. Uh, he was also had a good sense of humour, this particular teacher. Um, the rest, I think, I've probably forgotten about. Yeah, I've just had to grow a thick skin. And often my sister, mm-hmm. who was younger than me, like six years younger, she'd be like a a guard dog when we were out like if somebody stared at me she would glare back or like Aww. you know basically like hiss at them so, that's so nice uh, did people yeah. did people really ask you though Annie like did you have strangers talk about it to you that's just yeah. horrifying yeah, it's so. It was very weird at the time that people felt entitled to know about you know your body, um, or that their curiosity was so overwhelming that they must know. <laughs> so I yeah, at times I thought I wish I just had a sign around my neck that explained like what happened. Like I'm a burn survivor. Like get over it, move on with your life. Yeah. Or just um, a sign that says "fuck off" and "mind yeah. your <laughs> <laughs> um, And now like I have. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unleashed the girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think I've got so much sympathy for anyone who looks different. Like, I would never ogle or stare. Like, I'd, I think I'm very good at maintaining eye contact with everybody now because of that, because I don't want anyone to feel um, uncomfortable or that I'm looking at them for any reason other than, like, wanting to get to know them, who they really are, because, yeah, everything it's all superficial in the end. Um, you know, we and are a lot vouch, of things. I'll vouch for that. You are like, especially I was, I'm super new to the comedy scene and everyone is quite cool. And you are just one of these, one of the warmest people. So like you oh. will remember my name and you will like, like, hi, how you going? And you give me like, you give me a hug and you will just, you'll like, you know, make sure everyone in the, who is standing in the vicinity is being either spoken to or feels welcome. Like you have a, oh. an enormously warm, like person persona, and you, uh, I think you're really aware of how people are feeling in a public place. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that's what you were like before, or whether you, when you were, fe- like you know, your your vulnerabilities of that time allowed you to develop into such an awesome person. Oh, thank! They brought tears to my eyes. Uh, that's oh. so nice of you. Yeah, I mean, luckily it's not video. I'm going to do an ugly cry now. <laughs> no, I mean that, um, and also like, but despite it, uh, just like I know this doesn't mean anything to what we're talking about, but I've never ever noticed your scars. The only reason why I know anything about this story is because you bring it up in your comedy, which also brings me to the next thing. Do you bring it up in your comedy for either to address the thing that you think someone's going to say or so you know in comedy how it's like if you are you know a bigger woman so you know your size 18 you have to call yourself fat before anyone else does or if you Mm. are black on stage you have to make a joke about how you've got black skin so everyone knows that you know what you look like I was wondering Mm. in comedy do you do the thing where you are doing that by saying I know that I've got a scar I'm if you can see it I'm going to address it and make fun of it so you can't or do you address it because you are trying to make yourself change you're trying to change that story for you from something that was pretty shitty and which obviously affected your life really negatively into capitalizing on um, on it and being like actually I'm going to own this yeah um I think it's definitely wanting to just share stories and make myself even more unique so that there's no one else out there that's like me and I think it is very um like in comedy uh you want to be an identity that people can recognize so I don't really just want to be another like oh that Asian chick you know I want people to really remember me and my unique story so that's like I, I know that now I can choose not to mention it at all because I can get away with it but I think some of the the funniest things have happened to me are because of these dark times so if I can capitalize on that and that's my sense of humor as well like I can be quite dark um Mm -hmm. and it's the reason why I got into comedy was because of that so it kind of helps people to understand 
where I'm coming from and my worldview, um, especially if I'm like doing jokes like about death and stuff like that. It's like, it's because I have like this unique experience that has let me see um, into what's really important uh, in life. So I'm not just another you know, a uh, ditzy millennial or <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like, yeah, being gifted with this extra wisdom and I want to I want to take that on, on stage as well. Um, and I think, yeah, starting off, it, it was all about changing my story because there were newspapers reporting on me and they would describe me as disfigured schoolgirl. And oh it God, was Annie. coming up, yeah, as the, the, the Google results um would show all of these horrible headlines and people were commenting because they didn't know who I was and the name wasn't published, but they would uh, mostly be like men, just victim blaming, being like this, you know, she did it to herself. Like, um, you fainted. How? Yes. Yeah. It was fucking blokes. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just make that, that the mind boggles how anyone could, jump to that conclusion why would you choose to do that or why would that be something that you had any um you know like yes, any idea do. was going to happen yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah. I'm so sorry that um, happened so, yeah but that's what made me think um if I can change my story like what can I do and mm. I started making uh doing more in comedy and creating a Facebook page and a website and eventually it just drowned out all of those articles so it was a huge victory for me the first time I logged on to check how my Google search was going and it it left the, f- the first page of the results and it was now on the second page. I'm like, fantastic. Oh, like now I can incredible. take charge of who I am and now I don't think, you know, you'd find any of the, that, the horrible words that were being thrown around at the time. Like you'd have to dig pretty deep <laughs> to find it now. So, um, yeah. That's and, amazing, and Annie. How like, old are just... you now, Annie? I'm 27. It's yeah. been, yeah, so over 10 years. <laughs> and so when do you reckon you have, and you might still be processing it now, but when do you reckon you uh, made a breakthrough or do you remember the moment where you were like, actually, this is not the worst thing or this is, in the grand scheme of things, this is a little bit irrelevant? Mm, um, I think it was when... I went to my first Kids Foundation camp and I met people who had suffered over 80% burns and technically they're not supposed to be alive. Like that, Mm. You yeah, like you um, don't look anything like yourself. Uh, You've maybe missing limbs and it just made me think like, oh man, I'm so ungrateful for, you know, how, how lucky... I am. And even those people, they don't feel sorry for themselves. They're just like, well, you know, things could be worse. Like they've always thinking like of other people they know that have had um, even more horrific injuries. So if I'm thinking I love their mindset and uh, every time I talk to the people that I've met through that um, charity, I get inspired again at just how they're just getting on with it and they're, they're laughing and they don't have um, regrets. Like they, they think uh, they're, they don't want to go back because some of them have had kids that they've met through um, having those injuries. Like one guy, uh, he met his wife who was a nurse and now they've got two beautiful children. So how can you have regrets for anything that's ever happened to you? Because all the negative stuff leads back to positive things as well. Oh, what a wonderful outlook. That's so good. It's funny, perspective is so powerful. I do remember when I was going through my horrific part of the no sleep and the screaming baby, so ungrateful. And I remember um, I would find myself at night, like waiting for her to wake up and just going through stories on the internet, on my phone, reading about people who also had horrific babies and desperately <laughs> searching for worse babies than mine because I needed, <laughs> I needed to know that I was not the, the worst, like doing the worst in the world. And I, 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 it, it made me feel so much better about my situation. And I do wonder if that's a common practice. It's a good yeah. question. It, mm. it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a form of kind of self, I, I guess, just making self-soothing, right? Just finding that comparison to your own situation. But it's also very telling that we need, you know, someone to be worse off than us to feel okay about it. Yeah. Like, it's a really, a really interesting coping mechanism yeah. that we all have. Um, 
Well, let's well let's wrap this up because Annie, you have. I feel like we're ending it on a really great note. Like that was so inspiring. Yeah. How, what you've just um, what you've just said. I love that you have what like what you went through as a teenage girl and how and especially because it was so public. Like Claire, Claire was bullied, and it seemed very public because it was all of the cool kids in her class, and that felt very open. But like, but Annie, yours was in the paper. Which mm. uh, and it was so unfair the way that they portrayed that horrific thing that happened to you. And I'm so sorry it did. But um, if I can be anyone with a voice to say anything about this, it is that I reckon it's just made you so much more excellent than perhaps you would have been before. Because <laughs> yeah. you are, you have a wonderful outlook on life, and you are so warm and so kind and hilarious and the way that you can look at dark things and turn them into something that's probably not so dark after all is a true gift and I am grateful for that that fire (laughs) (laughs) and that you bring it to spaces where it's just so needed as well I mean not just not just comedy but you know to Joy FM where you know those voices are so important to uplift and inspire but also you know at the at the beginning of people's relationships and at the end of their lives as well like that perspective and kindness is it's it's priceless and people need it at the worst bits right that that kind of like loving support and just life experience it just it's it's incredible you know at at your age like let alone at any age it's it's universal and I think that's why the this time this pandemic isn't phasing me too much because uh, I think I like to think the toughest times are already in the past <laughs> so you know throw what else have you got like throw it at me universe <laughs> 2020 whatever I've landed <laughs> in the fire with my face yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah thank you so much because this is the definitely the most open I've been about it and uh, your questions were great so hopefully the listeners have gotten something out of it well, you've been. Well, we've been. We're so grateful for how open you've been, and we. I. I can safely say that I have learnt heaps from you. And perspective is magnificent, and the fact that you soldier on is just truly inspiring. You're wonderful. Thanks very much. Thank Thanks, you. Annie. Cool. All right. Um, if anyone would like to follow Annie, she is on the socials. Annie, what is your what is your Instagram and all the other social things that you take part in? Yep. Uh, Instagram is at Annie Louie and Facebook is at Annie Louie Comedy and I've got the website as well, AnnieLouie.com, if you wanted to check out the show. Yes, excellent. I encourage everyone to follow Annie because she is a rising star in comedy and especially Melbourne comedy and she, you will, whether you don't know already, you will know her soon. So thanks, Sheilas, and have thanks, a lovely Annie. pandemic. Bye, Annie. <laughs> Bye. Bye.